Uh, welcome, everybody. Uh, this is episode three of the Work in Progress podcast. Uh, my name is Min Pham, and I've got uh, my co-host over here. Alan, Win. yep, that's me. And we're back with another episode. Let's jump right into it. <laughs> Yeah, so so we're we're still figuring this out. Obviously, uh, if anyone has suggestions on improvements, we're we're all ears. Yeah, thank uh, you, to, thank you to everybody who has uh, humored us and listened to the first couple of episodes. Uh, it, it's called work in progress for a reason, right? <laughs> yeah, you can say that. <laughs> yeah, uh, like any good work, though, I I think it's always worthwhile to start and uh, iterate on things. You know. Um, kind of uh, towards that message, though, I, I sort of like to always start with why. I think that that's been a big lesson of mine over the last couple of years. Um, starting with why. Why do you do the things you do, right? So we figured today we'd talk a little bit about why we got into software, at least to start. Um, Alan, you want to kick us off? Oh, man. So I, I actually, uh, back in college, I didn't anticipate becoming uh, a software engineer whatsoever. Um, or in, in any sort of technical field whatsoever. I wanted to be a photographer. Uh, but during the process of applying to schools, I was like, I don't know if I'm going to find a job as a photographer or how I'm going to live <laughs> uh, being the, the poor starving artist, right? So luckily, I, I got one of those uh, college applications that waived the, the essay portion of it. <laughs> And I, I, I applied to this, uh, the Colorado School of Mines, and uh, I actually started off as a, a chemical engineer there, uh, which is, again, drastically different from software, right? Oh, man. Um, and about, that was my software, sophomore year. I, I switched over to computer science because uh, organic chemistry was, it kicked my butt, <laughs> suffice to say. Um, switched over to computer science and just ended up becoming uh, the software engineer. Also, because I didn't want to apply to different schools. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so let's let's break that down a little bit. So you started knowing that you kind of wanted to be a photographer. Was that in high school, or is that yeah? Before that? Uh, in in high school, um, I don't know what necessarily triggered it. Just the the idea of seeing life through a different lens, uh, pun intended, <laughs> um, like. When, when you look through a camera, when you're taking a picture of something, you're forced to, to sort of see it in, in a smaller scope, in a different perspective, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I, I always wanted to start a, a blog around the photography I was doing uh, called the, and I wanted to title it, The Redefinition of All Things Known. It's a, a mouthful, Whoa. but essentially the idea is that there is so much around us that that we take for granted. And if we just slowed down and just looked at something, you'll probably notice something that you've never really noticed before. Um, and sort of that's what drew me to photography back in the day is because it's like, I can literally sit down in a garden and be like, there's so much here, right? <laughs> um, and this is all before weed was legal in Colorado. <laughs> right, right. Uh, I never partook too, so yeah, um, wow. I mean, so this is this is all with a, a sober mindset. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, so so once once I I switched over to computer science, um, it sort of just 
went from there. I didn't really have any intentions of switching back. Uh, it ended up working out nicely. I mean, um, I feel like I'm, I'm doing something, I'm solving problems and sometimes the same problem, but in different ways. And for me, I equate it to looking at, um, a puzzle, not like a jigsaw puzzle, but just, uh, one of those mind bending puzzles where there's several different solutions to the same problem. And it's mm. always kind of like a, a video game, right? Uh, yeah. Where you can just replay it, but try something different and see how that works. And that, that's sort of how, how I stay motiv stayed motivated with, with softwares because I, I can literally look at my, my code from last week and realize <laughs> there's a whole different way to do that. <laughs> You ever you ever have those moments where you're right about to either write something or maybe you're just about to commit that into Git and you're sitting there, you're like, I'm future I'm embarrassed for future me. <laughs> right, right. All the time. All the time. I, I think I'm I've settled with the idea that what I'm doing now is not gonna look great next week. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I feel bad for whoever's coming in after me. <laughs> Please clean up my mess. I'm sorry. Yeah. Sometimes it gets to, sometimes that's you yourself, uh, in, in a lot of those situations, that's probably the best scenario, right? Mm -hmm. For every... <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love, like, I love that. Yeah. yeah. And you know, like what's, what's sort of driving me today with continuing with software is, you know, not only that, but you know, we're, we're already in a software centric world. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you look at, uh, I don't know if you saw that that uh, documentary, the social dilemma. Oh yeah, that, that 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 one. But like, it's it's increasingly a huge portion of our lives, whether we we actively participate or not. Right? It's it's yeah. not just you actively participating, but how you interact with the things around you. Look at even you know your your car. You have more electronic interfaces with it instead of uh, analog, and um, because we can interact with so many different things in so many different ways, it sort of, you know, ties back into what motivated me to photography is I can, I can do, I can see it right now, but give me a different lens and I can sit down and see it in a whole different, different manner. And that ultimately, uh, 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 triggers me to to take a step back and rethink why do i do the things i do right yeah. it's, a, it's a constant cycle yeah. of reevaluating. i think um, that i think that there's something so uh magical about that you know for for lack of a better term it's it, it really grabs your attention right the same thing that you see today doesn't necessarily uh stay the same as your perspective changes, as your experience changes, you start to look at it and, and realize there's actually a lot of uh, simplicity to it, you know? And there's a lot more depth behind that simplicity at the same time. I used to look at really uh, succinct structures as something to strive for, you know, one-liners. Like, I used to love one-liners. If you can throw it into a ternary statement, do that. If you can, if you can have a method that's just like a single line in there, and who cares how long that line is? But like, if you can turn it into that, then that's that's the art of code, right? Over time, I started to realize that that sucks. 
mm-hmm. <laughs> I started to realize mm-hmm. that that sucks. And the developer out there that was writing very simple, almost English legible, if this, then that, do this for that time. Like any of those kinds of like very straightforward statements, I started to recognize and appreciate the simplicity of that, you know? And I started mm-hmm. to recognize and appreciate the simplicity of like naming naming things in in ways that are are just very um i want to say readily apparent Mm -hmm. as to their function their purpose and all of that so those were things that like i don't think i truly truly appreciated like if, if you had asked me at the very start of my career like okay what do you feel about naming and classes and and you know Uh, how do you write clean code and all of that i would have given a very very different answer than today right you mean you mean you don't like variables with single letters (laughs) (laughs) a var (laughs) you know actually just for for funsies um i'm reminded of a story that uh this was one of my very very early engineering experiences professional engineering experiences mind you and um a, a mutual friend of ours, I was working with him at the time to uh, to build this this basically this product. Um, and at the time we were we were basically brand new quote unquote mm. software engineers, so no real experience or anything like that. And uh, it was for a startup as well. So they just sort of trusted us to make the thing happen and they didn't really care anything about like how you got there, right? Implementation could always be better, but it was about the uh, the output, the outcome, right? The MVP. The MVP, yeah. <laughs> so we that's what we did, and that's what I did, uh, certainly, hacking code together. I remember my friend, our friend, looking at some of my code, and he's like, dude, why? what What the heck is a hashy? And I'm like, hashy, hashy the hash map, you know? Like, I was, I was frustrated. I wanted to give him a nice, friendly name. So <laughs> there was hashy the hash map. going around adding stuff (laughs) you're that guy yeah i was that guy for (laughs) for some time and i remember him looking at me one day one day and he's just like dude you can't be doing this (laughs) says who (laughs) trying to have fun Uh, on the job man yeah yeah right (laughs) you know i i thought that was a myth (laughs) folks actually naming things fun things (laughs) yeah yeah, I'd be I'd be willing to bet that uh, more production code has little Easter eggs like that than uh, than people would like to admit. <laughs> Probably legacy systems. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but oh man, how so? How did you get into software, <laughs> dude? So while you were really into photography, I was really really into video games. I, I, well, okay, both of us were into video games probably at that time, but that's all I was into. <laughs> oh, man. I didn't which, have much which... else going on there. Uh, but, but it was kind of similar uh, in a lot of ways. Like, I looked at the world of video games and I saw, uh, I saw what you could do with it, you know? And I saw computers from a very early age as just like this really magical creation that if you understood the rules you could create whatever you wanted to, you know? It was mm-hmm. like it was like RPG maker to the extreme, right? <laughs> so I was fascinated by that idea from a really, really early age. Every game I played, um, 
I just really enjoyed like scenarios and complicated scripting of like events and everything. So StarCraft mm -hmm. was the big one for me uh, way, way back when. And their map editor, I, I found it one day uh, and I cracked it open and I was like, this is the coolest thing ever. And I spent like summers just playing around in the map editor. And then I found triggers. They, they were called uh -oh. specifically triggers. Um, triggered. Yeah. <laughs> triggered, <man. laughs> and so like all of the scripting back then, uh, I didn't realize it at the time. I didn't see it as like programming or software, but mm. in my mind, it was like, this is a mechanism that you can use to make things happen. Right. So it was a lot of what we would think of as code structures today. It was like, if this happened, then do this, you know, if the timer of the map got to five minutes, send a wave spawn and send a wave of zerglings to go attack mm -hmm. the base. Right. <laughs> and so like, I would start to spend time creating these really elaborate scenarios, um, in the Starcraft editor. And I just loved that. I loved every minute of it, you know? Oh, and, man. and that, that's, that's kind of how I knew I was like, yeah, I want to do something with computers, you know? Dude. Do you still make make custom maps for games <laughs> these days? Well, so uh, funny you mentioned that. I I don't anymore. But the biggest thing was like um, when StarCraft Two came out, and uh, and you know I thought, wow, okay, like let's crack open the the map editor for StarCraft Two and let's see what I can do there. I couldn't do shit. <laughs> really, <laughs> the map editor was just so much more complicated than what I was used to that I was like, this is like a, this is like learning a thing in and of itself, you know? Oh man. It's like a, I, it's I, a paradigm in and of itself. I, I have not seen StarCraft use editor, so I can't say yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> but, oh, uh, uh, but you know, the magic still, still remains there. I, I, I think about a lot of software in that way. It's like, um, sometimes I describe it as like being a magician, you know? You, to the audience, you are making this really, really amazing magical show this effect happen mm -hmm. right you're gonna disappear the rabbit you're gonna slice the the assistant in half you're gonna teleport one from one side of the stage to the other there's these really amazing effects that you can have but the the deep wiring that you use to get that to happen is very very simple you know mm -hmm. Sometimes mm -hmm. it's sleight of hand. Sometimes it's distraction. Sometimes it's mm -hmm. just small little things like that. And to really, really use those components uh, artfully, you can create amazing effects, right? Mm -hmm. And just wow everybody. Yep. So I still yep. love that about software. I think I think that's a, a double-edged sword, though. Uh, <laughs> how, many, how many people do you know have come up to you and asked, hey, I have a, an, a great idea for an app? <laughs> Right, because don't <laughs> like, mo most folks don't know what goes into yeah. know, making an app, and so yeah. to, to your point, it's magic. Yeah, it, it, you just do a thing, right? It's, they're like, it's <laughs> they're like, oh yeah, you you disappeared a person, then you know, you make me disappear right now. Right, it's like right, I, I can't, like <laughs> you know, like I, I can't on the, spot. on the spot like that. Like yeah, <laughs> it, it doesn't really make sense, right? Or, mm -hmm. or like, you know, you, you do like a fancy card trick or something and, and you, mm -hmm. you memorize or guess whatever card it is that they saw. It's like you can't just do that with everything, like, right. you know, mundane everyday objects and stuff like that. So, yeah, um, 
Yeah, you know, it's it's funny you br bring that up because like I I felt like very early on as an engineer, once I started to get comfortable with that, I was like, yeah. Yeah, let's chase all of these crazy ideas that people have. Let's build them. Let's <laughs> let's bring them into the world. And and I started to kind of realize that there there, there is a lot more to it mm -hmm. and most people aren't necessarily um aware of that mm -hmm. and and aware of like the work that actually goes into taking an idea and building mm -hmm. it mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right right it's not as simple as grabbing some some legos and stacking them right yeah yeah i mean if you break it down that's kind of what it is but each individual lego piece is probably its own yeah. has its own sub components that make it confusing yeah. for some but that's awesome. Uh, do you, so, you know, you, I know you transitioned to uh, a manager at some point. Uh, what, what sort of pulled you out of active coding yeah. and, and more focused on people? Because it, yeah. it feels like it's a drastic shift, right? It does. It, it does. And in a lot of ways, um, I think, I think like the day-to-day -day experience is so drastically different that uh, I've known a lot of people who've tried didn't like it and then gone back right mm -hmm. or who or honestly a couple of people who do um just a couple of years uh do just bouncing back and forth uh mm -hmm. i know a guy who's a, a very uh a very accomplished engineer of his own right who i think he's done it four times total where he went manager ic manager ic just at different jobs um that's totally a thing that you can do and and honestly it, it makes you a, a more it makes you a higher quality both manager and engineer i think uh at the end of the day so this this is the part where i'm gonna get a little real here and oh. if oh. i start sounding a little sociopathic i i i, oh. I, I i'm inviting it so <laughs> uh -oh. the the big thing that got me into management was i started to sort of realize the date the the working relationships of an organization and a company really do resemble they resemble code structures to me they resemble uh the same kinds of ideas about like rules communication and effectiveness and and you know decoupling and all of that so i started to look at myself within an organization as code effectively mm -hmm. how do you refactor process how do you uh, add new features to your org add new capabilities mm -hmm. functionalities how do you scale something? How do you scale people? Those problems mm. suddenly, I felt like they were very engineering-like. Mm. And so all of the aspects that I enjoyed about code, I took into management. And I felt like they applied very, very similarly. You know, mm -hmm. uh, the framing of the problem sometimes is a little bit different. And sometimes the human component of things, actually not sometimes, all the time, People don't <laughs> behave like code where, you know, one line of code is going to do this. Like print line is always going to be print line no matter how many <laughs> times you write it out, right? Humans, a little less so. But they can still function in very much the same way, right? Right, right. So oh, there's, still a, there's still appropriate times to print line and then times to not print line, right? Like right. some of those kinds of rules are still totally in play. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can see where where you think that's a little bit sociopathic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, you're 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 basically equating like real humans, real people to 
code that you right. manipulate, refactor, change, delete, add, like just at a whim, right? Like there is something right. deeply sociopathic about that, I think. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're a nice guy. Don't worry. You know, the the uh, analogy, though. I like the analogy, right, though. Right. Would, would you ever see yourself jumping back to IC? Absolutely. Uh, and, and for those who don't know, IC means individual contributor. Yeah, um, absolutely. I think that it just kind of depends on the type of impact that I want to have and the type of influence I, I, I want to kind of have on a particular project. You know, mm -hmm. I think uh, if I found myself in a um, situation where I just wanted to contribute uh, plain and simple to mm -hmm. a really, really cool idea and I know I'm out of my element, in trying to contribute to it directionally, then I would love to be just an individual contributor. Uh, just just to put an actual example to that, if I were to be hired by a game company tomorrow, <laughs> I love video games. I still do, and I would still, like it's on my bucket list. I would love, love, love to code for a video game one day, someday, right? I just happen to also know that like, that is probably one of the hardest uh, industries to, to actually be a developer or a contributor in. Mm -hmm. Guys, video game developers are thankless, thankless roles. They they pour their heart and soul into something and they still get like shit on <laughs> when the game mm -hmm. comes out, right? Mm -hmm. People yeah. are always going, devs, devs, fix this, fix that. Devs, why'd right. you do this? Why'd you do that? Guys, they didn't decide any of that. <laughs> they were just told to make it. <laughs> Changing it is not easy either. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah, no, uh, I I don't know anyone who does game development personally, but, you know, just h hanging out around Twitter and, you know, forums and stuff, mm -hmm. uh, it sounds like they do pull a lot more hours into they their do. job than, than most other engineering positions that I know. Um, like, I'm talking like 60, 80 hour work weeks. Yep. Like, that's, that's nuts. Yeah. And, you know, that's that, normal. Course, yeah, right. That's normal. Um, and it seems like it's very, very much uh, release date driven, right? Yep. As as most software is. Yeah. But there, I think for for video game companies, that's that release date is is crucial, and so it, it reflects in the culture that that's that's built. Yeah. Um, you know, and I'm not I'm not saying that you know uh, you should never be a, a game dev. Like, right. If you're absolutely passionate about it, yeah. Heck, more power to you. That's that means more more time spent doing something you you love doing yeah um so like, oh man that's awesome <laughs> it's it's just one of those things like uh, uh and th i know this is a bit of an aside but it's like if if we wanted to make the game development world better we actually have to be better as consumers first mm -hmm. like the culture that we have as as consumers of this type of media is to blame blame developers blame the blame them for pretty much all the problems that we experience in in trying to just play right. 15 minutes of call of duty right, right. right. <laughs> matchmaking sucks it's the devs gun balance out of whack it's the devs like that's that's what we always go to right, right. and uh it makes it an incredibly toxic environment to work within you know, mm -hmm. uh, and that's not even to mention the crazy, crazy, like, like you said, timelines, deadlines, it's, it's just a really, really rough industry to get into. So like my heart goes out to any and every game developer out there. Like you are doing something that I deeply, deeply love, but I would never have the courage to do myself. Truth mm. be told, 
I, I value too much of my own just creature comforts to <laughs> uh, to honestly like to, to, to work in that kind of a environment, you know? Right. right. Maybe like six years ago, you would have totally owned it. Yeah, like maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Me. That's a, that's yeah. I mean, six 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 seven eight years ago or so. Yeah, I totally did apply. Like, I applied to Blizzard. I applied to Riot. Like, why not? <laughs> it's like, hey, Blizzard and Riot. If you guys are looking for a, an engineering manager or even an engineer, <laughs> I, I can thumbs up this guy. Oh, oh appreciate <laughs> oh, that, man. <laughs> man. So 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 going back a little bit here to talking about how how people are like code and. You know, that, that brings a thought to my head about how organization structure does affect code architecture. Yeah. I, I think there's like a, a word for it. Is, is it Conway's Law? Conway's Law? Yeah. Yeah. Conway's can, Law can, applies in, in a lot of interesting ways. Right. Can, can you uh, can you give a, a brief overview of Conway's Law? Yeah. So uh, essentially Conway's Law states that your organization, or your code rather, your software will mimic the communication culture of your organization. So if your organization tends to be siloed and tends to favor, you know, a lot of red tape and, uh, and, and very tight knit circles uh, for decision making, then that is how your software is going to uh, end up being as well. Mm -hmm. You're going to have isolated components with very little, um, with very little flexibility and it'll feature high degrees of coupling, you know, mm -hmm. things like that. And, and there's, there's a lot of other ways that it manifests, but that's, that's the basic idea. Right. Right. Oh man. So, you know, going, going also going back to, to motivations here, you know, obviously we're, we're th three episodes into the podcast. <laughs> You know, what, what has driven you to sort of dive into the podcasting realm? I think it's the, you know, like we, we titled this work in progress for a reason. I, I've really come around to the idea that all of us are works in progress. And just like, uh, honestly, just to kind of tie in a couple of other points there, like your software, we all have ways that we can improve, new features that we can add. And we're, we're constantly in a state of progress, right? Mm -hmm. uh, I think podcasting is just the next feature that I'm choosing to add, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and that's the best part is like, this is an MVP, right? This is pre-MVP, I'd, I'd even argue, right? Right, right. The, uh, the experience, though, of learning what is important, what's valuable, and what I can kind of bring to it, I think that that's it's worthwhile in and of itself, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You got to test your way into it. <laughs> right. Right. Some, some AB testing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's awesome. I mean, I mean, there, there, at least for me, there's an aspect of uh, wanting to, to be a mentor. Right. Mm -hmm. And while, you know, I could, I'm doing that at work, but you know, this is also an outlet for that. Right. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm, you know, speaking to an audience that I have, no idea who's listening to right now right um in in hopes that whatever we are speaking of can help them in their careers um and i i think that fulfills a lot of what what i'm hoping for uh in my, my career growth right like this yeah. this is a, a means of sort of pushing myself forward um like you said work in progress yeah um so that's awesome 
uh, not, not to say that all of our answers are correct or you should listen to us, but just it's an additional data point. <laughs> yeah, it's an additional data point. I love that. I, I think that that's more true than, than anything else, you know. Um, mm -hmm. At the end of the day, I, I've come to kind of realize that, like, learning and accruing knowledge, capabilities, skills, and all of that, like, that's good. That's nice. But at the end of the day, unless you actually put that into practice and affect the real world with it, you know, mm -hmm. it, it doesn't really... Uh, it doesn't really go anywhere. It doesn't benefit anyone but yourself, you know, right. and that, that's, that's good. It's fine to start there, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, it, I sort of look back on my career thus far, and I see that the thing that I have always kind of missed or, or never really had is that very, very connected feel to the impact that I have on people, mm -hmm. on real people, you mm -hmm. know. I've always seen like impact in terms of like quarterly earnings reports and and K like annualized KPIs. gains, KPIs, right? <laughs> like other things like that. But those are those are kind of one step removed from like the things that that we on a day to day feel mm -hmm. deep down. Mm -hmm. And and so like you know as you look to to continue to accrue skills, build yourself up, get better at, you know, whatever it is you're doing, I think most people will find that they are also looking for an outlet to kind of uh, see a lot of that that they've built up, create value mm -hmm. for other right. people. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, again, speaking for myself here, like I am exploring the career path of becoming a manager, but you know, sometimes your your employer may not have the the bandwidth to you know help guide you through that process and sort of give you the opportunity to do that. Um, and so, you know, just finding small ways to explore your your own career path is you know this this is a means for me to do that, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> um, and you know, it's it's actually really really nice that uh, you know having the ability to like i can't imagine being able to do something like this like 10 years ago when <laughs> podcasting wasn't a thing right like at at the end of the day you know going back to <laughs> full circle again um going back to how incorporated technology is in our lives and and having technology open up opportunities that may have been there but in other ways yeah really really entertains you know my my previous idea of i'm, I'm taking a look at my career yeah as as in a, in a whole new lens right like yeah. management leadership doesn't necessarily have to come through the corporate ladder right, right? and so you know again we just came full circle yeah <laughs> seems seems like every episode <laughs> I love that. And, and I think that you're you're absolutely right there, Alan. I think I, I, I what I would wish more people would kind of recognize, and especially younger people or people who are just starting their careers, so much of your growth actually depends on the decisions and the conscious choices you make outside of the career, outside of the specific job or role that you're currently in. Uh I think it's rare that you will find companies 
and organizations that inherently are so invested in you that they will push you to be better than you are and they will push you to expand on your horizons. Like, I, I'm not saying that companies won't challenge you. Every company will probably challenge you in some way, shape or form. But usually, at the very least, usually it's in service of like their own OKRs, KPIs, whatever it is, right? Right. Whereas the kind of journeying, kind of growth that you're looking at doing right now and that I would, you know, want younger engineers, younger people to kind of start to accept is is your own personal growth, you know? Mm -hmm. the, your, mm -hmm. uh, you pushing yourself to expand your own horizons. Right, right. And, you know, not not to say, you know, you, can, you can't utilize the resources at work to, to explore that. Right. Like you will meet uh, folks in leadership positions, your team lead, your manager, your, your CEO, whoever, yeah. who, who might recognize your potential and invest in you. Like they will give you the time and space to explore uh, whatever it is that you're interested in, in doing, you know, yeah. um, whether that's technical or not. Uh, and I don't know where I was going with that, but... <laughs> No, I, I think that you're, you make an excellent, excellent point. Like uh, sometimes, you know, I, I, sometimes I get criticized for saying uh, I, I rail a little too much against the day job, you know, <laughs> in, in, in all honesty, it does have a place and it's, it's a really good place too. I think that uh, I, I can't kind of came up with this analogy uh, last week. I think about the day job or, or day jobs in general, kind of like I think about college um, as a kid who honestly, uh, very similar to you, as we were talking about getting starts, uh, getting our starts here. I did not purposely apply to any college that, that, you know, actually fancied that I actually fancied. Uh, mm -hmm. I filled out the first college application that was a free and two, uh, B did not require an essay that happened to be school of mines, same school. Hey. <laughs> so like, that's, that's how I stumbled into college. Right. As a kid who did not have a lot of self-direction, I think college was great and was something that I absolutely needed, you know. And honestly, as an early working adult, I needed day jobs. I needed a, a real corporate job to teach me about a lot of things, you know, that I wasn't, that I just simply wasn't aware of. Right. And I, I think that speaks to, you know, having a balance between guided growth and just free form growth, right? Where, where, you know, school or a, a job puts you on specific guardrails to grow you, maybe not for their specific needs, but at least give you some path to work on. Yeah. Whereas, you know, personal growth, things you do outside of work is more free form. You don't have guardrails to, to tell you this is where you should be going. Um, and I think you need a good balance of that because if you're just constantly on a, on a specific, you know, path, career ladder, whatever, um, you're not seeing what's outside of the yeah. box necessarily. And I think there's, there's something to say, uh, in, in just exploring things outside of, outside of those, those given career ladders too. Yeah. Um, you know, one, one thing that I've, I've had conversations with, with uh, some, some of my peers uh, is, you know, like, what do I need to do to progress in my career, right? Oh, yeah. And I love that question. <laughs> that's that's a, a good question. And honestly, my answer is always going to be depends. 
you know, what do you want to <laughs> do? Like, what ultimately, what is your end goal, right? Oh, I love that. I love that you start with that. Like, what do you, what do you what do you want to do? You know, I I think that that has been like the that that question alone. What is it you actually want to do? I have only very recently started to really truly appreciate that question. You know, mm-hmm. I remember being asked that a lot, and I would even get annoyed being asked that. You know, uh, early on, it's like, what do you program. mean? What do I want to do? <laughs> yeah, I want to program. I you know, I want to make more money. Okay, I want to get that promotion. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. that's that's what I want. Mm-hmm. And I remember being very very frustrated by it. And only now do I kind of realize like what what the people asking me that actually meant, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And you know, when when I similar boat here, uh, when I used to get asked what I wanted to do, it usually follows up with, where do you see yourself in one, oh. three, five, <laughs> ten years, right? But it, you know, this like recently, like within the last year or so, those questions have a very, very uh, directed purpose behind them, right? Um, it's 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 meant to tease out, you know. Well, first things first. What what you do want to do? Like mm-hmm. five years from now, do I want to be a team lead? Do I want to know how to scale an application to some millions of users? Like, it's very specific to that. And then the smaller, uh, you know, one year, two years that lead up to that is just steps smaller goals steps to get to that five-year plan yeah right and i think one thing to also take into account is these aren't set in stone right right your goals and your motivations are going to shift day to day yeah right and just being cognizant and aware of of your end goals helps guide you to deciding what you're you're planning for you know whether that's that's you know i'm going to stay here and i'm going to you know, start working closely with junior engineers to help guide them because yeah. ultimately I want to be a mentor. You know, it's those those seemingly annoying questions back in the day. Yeah. Now have purpose. And I, I think that's something uh, I, I certainly took for granted. I, I did as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, just because I want uh, I want anybody who's taken the time to listen to, to, you know, get any kind of value that they can out of this. I, I want to touch on something on that that uh, topic. There is no wrong answer. Like, I, I know this sounds cheesy and I know it sounds cliche. There actually is no wrong answer to that, like, question of what do you want in five years? You know, where do you want to be in five years? Or mm-hmm. one, three, five, ten, whatever it is, right? There's no wrong answer. And I don't know is also a valid answer. Mm-hmm. The what you do with your answer is is kind of what matters there right if you don't know what it is then maybe you should set yourself up uh today to start experiencing more things right Mm -hmm. i don't know is symptomatic of you just haven't had enough experiences in things that you can say this is what i like and this is what Mm -hmm. i don't like right Mm -hmm. yeah and part part of growth is understanding what you don't like too so absolutely could, could coast through your job you know, yeah. and say, I don't, I don't like this. I don't like that. Knowing that you don't like those is, yeah. is a step, right? Yeah. Um, and those steps accumulate uh, as, as cliche as that sounds yeah. too. <laughs> like, you know, what was so, so surprising for me, I used to be very, um, I guess, uh, uneasy about saying, I don't like to do front end development. Mm-hmm. I don't like to do user facing uh, software just generally. Mm-hmm. 
right? I like APIs, I like systems, platforms, that kind of stuff. And early on in my career, I felt an uneasiness with just saying that because I felt like that was going to limit my opportunities, limit this, limit that, whatever, you know, mm-hmm. put me in a box and I'd never be able to get out of it. Right. It turned out that in most of my career, anytime that I've said, well, I don't like, you know, front end development, the response I got instead was, oh, okay, cool. So do you like blah, blah, blah instead mm-hmm. then? Awesome. Mm-hmm. You do? Well, this is where that could lead you. Mm-hmm. And it felt yeah. very freeing in retrospect. It felt very freeing to know that like, oh, you like this very specific thing? Guess what? There's actually quite a bit there. And right. you can, if you if you so choose, you can go quite the distance in that particular thing you enjoy. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, you know, even even from my perspective too, I, I can't say... Uh, with confidence like you that I don't like front-end systems, I don't like back-end <laughs> systems. I'm, I'm very much a, I, I don't like this term, but a full-stack engineer. <laughs> um, I, I have feelings about that. I don't know if, if we're going to dive into that today, but <laughs> yeah, um, I think we talked about a little bit about roles in our, our previous episode, but, um, you know, you know, t- speaking to that, it's like, I don't, I don't know. And that's okay. You know, I, maybe I do like both of them and mm-hmm. I'm fine doing either one. And that's okay too. You don't have to have a set, you know, yeah. specialty or a set, set tool set that you work with. Um, and, you know, maybe that is driven by, you know, the box that you're, you're speaking of. <laughs> uh, but I, I, I can tell you what aspects of each I don't like. Um, but, you know, a lot of it too is driven by experiences that I may not have had, right? Right. Um, to some extent, backend systems scare me because <laughs> I've, I've, I've rarely had the chance to work on systems at scale, right? And so there's, there's certainly a fear there. Not to say that I don't like tackling scaling problems. Mm-hmm. I just don't know. And a lot of, of things that we, we end up disliking or fearing is, is because we don't know. Right. But that goes back to your point of sometimes you just need to experience things to be able to say for certain. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, and I think like, uh, we'll kind of wrap it up on this note. Uh, (laughs) I think, uh, you know, the message for today is, is kind of around that, right? There's, there's a lot of unknowns out there and certainly with unknowns, there's fear, right? Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, you, you get to kind of walk that path, right? You get mm-hmm. to walk that path and you get to make a decision at every step of the way. Mm-hmm. TLDR, YOLO. YOLO. <laughs> I think I'm, that's I'm a great, guy. yeah, I think that's a great way to end the episode. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you everybody so much. Uh, if you enjoy this kind of stuff, please uh, leave a comment, reach out to us, let us know what you'd like to hear next. Don't forget to tip your weight staff. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you and have a great day, everybody. See you guys.